0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to another fantastic episode of the Business Creators Radio Show. My name is Adam Homie. I'm your host, and I am so honored by your wise decision to join us today. As the name says, our listeners are business creators. We have our entrepreneurs. We have our small business owners. We have our local business owners. We have marketing and business coaches. We have the folks who help others build their businesses, and we have the do-it-yourselfers who like to have their own hands on the levers while they market and grow their business. If you are one or more of the above, please take a moment, explore episodes, and discover how we help you win at the game of business and marketing at www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com. Also, check us out on iTunes. Just do a search for Business Creators Radio Show. Every five-star rating is greatly appreciated and helps us help more creators just like you. Fresh episodes are added every single week. We now have well over... 120 episodes on our iTunes channel. Please be sure to subscribe, check that out, and have it delivered directly to you every single week, in addition to our weekly live broadcast at 9 a.m. Pacific on Tuesdays. Today, we are going to have a conversation that is probably different than just about anything you have ever heard on a business or entrepreneurship podcast. Just by the title of it, you're going to see that we're going to be talking about something a little bit different. It is called From Prison to Prosperity, the story of an ex-con who broke free from circumstances to create success in life, family, and business, and how you can too. I came up with this story, or I found this story, rather, a few months ago when a good friend of mine, Mike Peshoda of MarketingYourPurpose.com, was sharing in a serial, spelled S-E-R-I-A-L, a a series of stories on his Facebook about his experiences being in prison for almost 10 years, I believe it was. Now, I always knew there was something very unique and something very special about Mike, like he had a very unique background. I'd heard the story about Mike and his awesome wife, Robin, and how they started their business and their journey from just getting started to having a very prosperous online marketing business, but I always felt like there was a little something missing in the story. When I started to hear what Mike was sharing, this giant aha went off in my head, and I decided right then we had to get Mike on Business Creators Radio Show. Mike has been with us before. He was one of our very first guests on Business Creators Radio Show, along with Robin, when they appeared and told us about the marketing game changer, More Visibility, Leads, Clients, and Cash, back in October of 2013. You can go back to the iTunes channel, and you can play that episode again. In fact, I encourage you to do so. It was a great conversation. But today... We're going to get into Prison to Prosperity. And just to tell you a little bit about Mike, for those of you who haven't heard of him yet, Mike Pichota is an online marketing strategist, funnel fanatic, and business coach whose no-nonsense, results-driven approach has helped thousands of entrepreneurs grow their businesses. Mike is no stranger to failure and adversities. We're going to discuss more today. Having spent 10 years in a Florida prison where Mike used his time to transform his mind, his life, and his world, He emerged a brand new man with a mission to empower others. Mike's journey from inmate to entrepreneur began when he was 18 with a 10-year sentence ahead and a huge choice to make in the midst of an environment designed to make him fail. Mike took up a motto during his prison stay to let it make him and not break him. In the over six years since his release from prison, Mike has overcome social stigmas, challenges, and numerous failures to build several very profitable and successful businesses alongside his partner and his wife, Robin. Mike has been featured in Forbes Magazine, Florida Today, Space Coast Business Magazine, YFS Entrepreneur, dozens of radio shows and podcasts, and now the Business Creators Radio Show. Mike is also a dedicated father of two adorable children, John and Sophia, and he believes that if he was able to to achieve success and financial freedom, then anybody can. Mike, welcome back. What's happening, man?
1: Thanks for having me, Adam.
0: Looks like a lot of things are happening, and you and I had a conversation (laughs) about this offline a couple months ago. When you started posting your series of stories to Facebook about your experiences in prison, it really gripped me. I I mean, I would log on to Facebook every single day just waiting for you to post the next installment, (laughs) because in its own way, it made me realize that, hey, I've been in prison myself. Now, I've never been convicted of a crime. In fact, as as far as I can remember, unless there was some night in college, I really was too drunk. I don't think I've ever even worn handcuffs, even for a moment. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but I recognize that uh, most of my adolescence, particularly that period of time, which some people call high school, was like a prison sentence for me. I was in a place where I felt the system was designed to break me, where my accomplishments were used against me. Even the design of the building, which was built in the late 1970s in what was called the institutional style, where really a lot of block with paint over it and no windows in the classrooms. And the day I... Graduated when I and I reluctantly went to the ceremony because my parents made me uh, my whole line on it was i got my I got my certificate i'm out of here. You guys can celebrate here as much as you want, but i'm done i've never looked back and ever since Penn State figured out that I was going to have the money and the loans to be able to afford an education there, nobody's ever asked me about this stuff, but it's something that's kind of you know been inside me for a while, feeling like I lost a piece of my life and I was In an environment that was really rigged against me due to something that, I don't know, maybe I did something to deserve this, maybe I didn't, I really don't know, but that's what really drove it home for me, and I'm thinking, holy crap, replace the word prison with high school, and Mike is telling my story. (laughs) Nice, I remember the conversation, man. Yeah, well... Most of our episodes on Business Creators Radio Show, we ask you about your passion that led you to where you came from, and we ask a question about time and money. And if anybody wants to hear Mike's answer about time and money, go back to the other episode. And it's one case that's really not what we need to talk about here. Uh, where I'd like to start with, Mike, is you know, you have a very Successful Business, MarketingYourPurpose.com. You have an awesome discussion group on Facebook, Marketing Mega Minds. I check in there every single day. It's one of the best discussion groups going for entrepreneurs and small business owners. And you know, you've been out of prison for six years. You've got a great business. You've got a great home. You have a lovely wife and two beautiful children, and everything's going great for you. Why now are we talking about your prison experience? Cool, man. And that's a really
1: good question. So – you know when when we first started the journey right one of the things and i I'll, I'll kind of take it back to the prison environment right one of the things that i found while being an inmate that kept all of the other guys around me just confined and trapped to just continue to stay in the cycle was of these guys had this expectancy that the world owed them something, that they should emerge in prison, and everybody should just welcome them with open arms and all of these things. And they failed to forget that they were where they were in life because of the choices that they'd made. And it dawned on me very early, and as I emerged from prison, I made a very solid commitment and an internal realization that I expected nobody to accept me. I expected nobody to think of me any differently than the person that I was before I went to prison up until the point that I had proven to them that I was different. I did not expect anybody to just simply rely on my words that I spent 10 years and I've changed this and that. I wanted my life to speak far louder than my words could. And so Robin and I knew out of the gate that the story would be extremely powerful. But we also knew that in order for the story to have a real impactful power behind it and a motivational element to it, there needed to be some success behind it. You know, I needed to spend you know, the years to develop a good life and prove that I wasn't just what we usually see of criminals. You know, they come out, they swear they've changed. Six months later, they're back in trouble. 12 months later, they're back and the cycle continues. So I knew very strongly that I needed to prove that I was different, that I had broken the cycle and prove that I had not only broken the cycle, but also that I had the ability to make and create success in life. And so Robin and I strategically knew that, We needed to create success in business, take everything that we knew, prove it, get it working, create a name for ourselves, create a reputation that would pave the way so that when we began to share the story, it would just simply be one of those things where people would just be awed. And that has been the response where we share with and I've talked to you know some very very high level entrepreneurs about the story you know folks like Lewis Howes, Lisa Sasevich, Nick Unsworth I've talked to them and right. you know shared personal things and they've all just been odd um I'm good friends with some of them as well and when I shared the story it was just a wow like I know you I know you personally and this just makes the story so much more powerful so from a strategic perspective Robin and I knew That there needed to be kind of a paving the way, let my reputation precede itself, and then share, here's the entirety of the story.
0: When you and I first met in person, it was uh, actually when I met both both you and Robin in person, it was in, I believe it was April 2013, and we all met in person at Suzanne Evans' Be the Change event. And we had already connected over LinkedIn, and we were members of each other's discussion groups on LinkedIn and uh, commented on each other's blog posts and things like that. And it was one of those very happy circumstances where we looked at each other and we immediately recognized who we were, and we had this running joke for the rest of the event that we'd probably see each other a hundred times over the course of the event, so every time we were passing each other in the hall, we'd shout out, 27, 32, 43, and... Right around that time, I got familiar with your life story because now you're somebody I knew personally, so I started digging a little bit deeper. And I remembered the story you told about how you were, I believe as you were digging through dumpsters or going to find things that people left on the curb so you could pick them up and paint them and resell them on Craigslist, if I'm getting this correctly, and you were struggling just to be able to buy food. And the next thing you know, you find out Robin's pregnant. Now, I'm thinking to myself yep. at the time, These are two very smart people, and I know that there are a lot of rags-to-riches stories in terms of entrepreneurs, but I'm thinking to myself, why were these people – why were the Pashotas doing this kind of stuff? just to be able to buy bread. Because I know myself as an entrepreneur, there's stuff that I would hate to have to do. But if I lost my business and lost everything, I could get online tomorrow under a new business name and go back to doing some of these other things and have people ready to pay me right now. I'm thinking, these guys are at least as smart as me, if not smarter when it comes to marketing. Why were they digging through dumpsters? And then when I heard the story about the prison it started to click for me that maybe there was some sort of disadvantage. So if you could tell me a little bit about what happened after you came out of prison and some of the struggle to get to where you are, because I think there's a gap there. I mean, we hear so much about people get yeah. out of prison and they apply for jobs and can't get one or they're restricted by what their PO tells them they can do and can't do. So what was that like for you and how did that lead you to entrepreneurship? I think is the second part of that question. Cool. Great
1: question. So yeah, here's what happened. So I come home from prison, You a ton of skills. I actually spent 10 years, day for day, 10 years in prison, and I used every moment that I had to just transform my mind, learn about business. I studied marketing, spiritual development, personal development, physical, everything to just improve myself all around the board. And so I come home, and at the time that I had come home was 2009. And it was right at kind of the cusp of just the market crashing, real estate market crashing. Um, Robin and I were getting ready to get married right after I'd come home. And she had a local business that was just completely just run over by the local economy. She had taken a job with a former client, which was kind of paying the bills. I had come home and I thought, you know, hey, you know, I speak five languages. I'm sure I can get a job as a translator or interpreter. And I'd go to interviews, and people were usually very, very excited by my qualifications. You know, I was was always been pretty well-spoken, well-read, and they'd find out about my criminal past, and they would never call me back. And I had a choice at that time. You know, I had a choice to get frustrated, throw in the towel, get mad like a lot of guys do, blame the system, it's the job's fault, it's everybody's fault. But I dug deep, and I said, you know what, it's not. There's nothing that could be done about it. It's time for me to take things into my own hands. And so at that time, while this was going on, Robin wound up losing her job because her boss found out she was marrying an ex-con. And it went from there. So we now found ourselves with no way to pay the bills. I couldn't get a job. She just lost her job. And we had a stack of bills that were piling up. So we, in our youth and our adventurousness, decided we would go out on, on trash nights and we drove around and we'd find like printers and vacuum cleaners and flat screen monitors. And we'd started selling them on Craigslist. And the thing I think that made it much different for us is that we didn't just like drive around and just start selling stuff and think that's going to be our living. We had a very clear plan. We knew we needed to get online. We knew we needed to start utilizing the tools that were being presented to entrepreneurs. And at that time, You know, Facebook was just starting to get to be this popular kind of buzzword. Twitter was, you know, businesses were just starting to use it. And we recognized this was a tool. And so we used every dime that we earned from selling trash and stuff to buy our first website, to get active in a local chamber of commerce, to get active in local events, learning about some of these tools, and then start utilizing it online. And that's kind of like how we went. And all along throughout the entire journey, We always have had our eyes on one goal and that is to be able to create freedom, freedom in our lives. And if you're listening to this, it's pretty obvious why freedom is so important to me. I spent 10 years without freedom. So – We had a number one goal to build a business that would afford us the freedom to do whatever we want, to be there as our children wake up, as our children go to sleep, to up and take them to the park or to Disney or to whatever we want to do at any time and not ever be tied down. And that has really guided
0: our entrepreneurial journey. That's great. I'd like to dig just a little bit deeper here. I mean, we, we hear so many stories about, and you shared your own experiences of this people who come out of prison who find it very difficult to get a, a W 2 type job where they are an, somebody's employee and they get a paycheck and get taxes deducted and such. As soon as somebody finds out your a felon, like let's say, for instance, uh, you know, you're a perfect Spanish translator, and they can't find a Spanish translator from anywhere, and they would rather not have one than hire you because of your criminal record. Did you have any of those same challenges as you moved into the entrepreneurial space, uh, where people would say, oh, "I don't know if I want to deal with marketing your purpose. I don't know if I want to hire the Pachotas. I heard Mike was a gangbanger." <laughs>
1: Uh no, I, I really didn't you know because it, it really to be honest it wasn't something we led with you know we didn't lead with the story clients right. that we had you know we would talk to them and you know they would know about the story and whatnot but really in the entrepreneurial space, and this is what really was really cool for us is people are i find that people are a lot more genuine and you know genuinely i found that you know for the most part, entrepreneurs have usually been through something in life. Like you said, you know, you didn't go to a physical prison, but you struggled at some time or or there's failures or they've gone through bankruptcy or horrible divorces or multiple business failures. So failure and getting knocked down and getting back up again, is kind of something that entrepreneurs are used to. So I, I have never not one time found a moment of resistance in the entrepreneurial space around the story. It's only been – and even now as I've been sharing it you know, these last few months and there's a book coming out and stuff, the moment I started sharing it, the flood of response that we got in private message on our threads of people just reaching out and a lot of them sharing their own stories that either their husband had been to prison or their son or a brother or other types of struggles and how it was inspiring has – really just fueled us to want to share the story even more and let people know because everybody at some point has struggled man and it's it, it's just something that it gives inspiration and i think my story is kind of the most dramatic example of massive failure to a massive level of success i i really by all standards should not be where i am at life i just i just the, the all the cards dealt to me the hand that I've been able to turn out of that really just shouldn't be where I'm at right now.
0: That's that's great. Uh, now, you shared with us, and if you could tell us a little bit about it here today, and maybe you, sh- you shared with the world some of the ways in which the prison system and the people in there were either designed or just by the nature of who they are were actively involved in holding you down and preventing you from moving up. Can you give us some examples of those? Because the reason I'd like you to share some of those is I think it'll give us an idea of how an entrepreneur feeling trapped by something going on, whether it's that pain-in-the-ass client from hell who just won't hear that they've been (laughs) fired. I actually had one of those ones, uh, one of my worst clients ever. I actually used the words, you're fired, and they wouldn't go away. (laughs) So so that pales in comparison to what you're about to tell us. But give us some examples, because I think I'd like to hear some of that so people can get inspired, uh, that you can achieve and overcome by some incredible obstacles. Yeah,
1: man, for sure. So and here's – and I've shared this, and I know you read some of the posts and stuff, is that you know the prison environment is really geared to keep you down. You're around these guys that they have no desire to change. They're there. They're, they're not thinking bigger. They're not thinking of – a lot of times I found that there's a lack of connecting choices with consequences in most of the guys that I was around. And so they never could recognize that the choices that they were making on a daily basis were the reason – for where they found themselves, whether it was their second, third, fourth. Even I've seen guys that was their ninth time in prison. And you would think, are you never going to like wake up and see that it's the choices you make are directly correlated? And so while I was there, I'm making different choices. I'm studying. I'm studying business. I'm reading the Bible. I'm immersing myself in everything to change the way that I think it made me a minority in an environment where – being a minority is is probably not the best thing to be. So you become a target, and so a lot of these guys would really go out of their way to to hate on me, and you know, just to bother me or do things to you know to just hinder me, steal my books, or if it was a, a day that we were working out in the weight cage, they'd try to beat me there and get all the weights and hog them up so I couldn't work out, and just do things simply because. And I found later, in looking back, that the, the choices that I was making and the way that I was spending my time. Removed their excuse. It removed from them the excuse that it's the system's fault, it's the officer's fault, it's the police's fault, it's your neighborhood, it's your parents. The fact that I was making choices to change the trajectory of my life removed their excuse and they didn't like it. It made them uncomfortable. And when people get uncomfortable, they kind of lash out. And on top of that, the officers as well would kind of go out of their way to just give me a hard time. They felt like, you know, a lot of them would say, oh, you're fake. And, you know, you're just doing this, you know, now. But when you get out there, you're going to be, you know, doing this or you're going to go back to drugs or whatever it was. And they would come and they'd search my my locker is what we called it. And like they'd take away all my business books and I'd have to go through this whole rigmarole to get them back. Or, you know, they would just say just continuous nasty things to keep me. In a cycle and I always had this choice and it's kind of you shared it in my bio and it's I either could let all of that stuff break me all the pressure all the hating all the obstacles I could have just gave up and said you know what forget it let it break me or I could let it make me stronger and let it develop in me the one thing that I lacked in life and that was character and so I looked at these situations and recognized you know One of the things that I need more than anything, more than smarts, more than, you know, strategies and business ideas is I needed character. And these situations and the continuous pressure that they brought gave me the opportunity to develop the character that I would need when I walked out of those gates. And that was how looking at those situations and going through them, how I was able to switch them around and really kind of welcome them and embrace them and let them change me. And I would say the same thing to folks that are listening. Wherever you're at in the entrepreneurial journey, whatever you're facing, you could have gone through multiple failures. You could go through multiple successes. And the situations in life, no matter whether they're good or bad, are opportunities to develop character. I just shared the other day on my Facebook page A story, a kind of an analogy that I believe about money. And you know, a lot of people say that that money changes people, and I do not believe that. And here's what I believe: I believe money only amplifies what you already are. If a person is greedy before they have any money, then you give them money, they'll just be a greedier person with more money. If a person is a giver before they have, you know, lots of money, if you give them more money, they'll just be a bigger giver. And the same thing is true about the situations of life, successes and how you handle them can create the right character in you or they can they can break you and make you, you know, a worse person or go in the wrong direction. And the same thing with failures. So as an entrepreneur listening, look at the situations, the positives and the negatives as opportunity to develop the needed character.
0: You know, I there's a couple things that you said and your answer there that I was hoping you would come up with, so you kind of <laughs> read my subtle cue. And you spoke about how when you were in prison, instead of doing the things that everybody else is doing, you were studying business, you were studying language, you were reading the Bible, you were working on your relationship with God, you were connecting to that greater sense of yourself, and you were developing yourself towards a life, because you knew you, your, your, your sentence was only so long. You were getting out of there eventually. You weren't a sure. lifer, although your sentence was going to be you know, it was a pretty substantial sentence, but you knew that there was something beyond that, and you didn't want to be that guy who was in prison for the ninth time. You wanted to get out and get on with your life. So while this was going on, you had people hating on you, beating on you, stealing your books, uh, getting to the weight room first to hog all the weights you couldn't exercise. Every single one of those things happened to me in secondary school, including the gotcha. part where people ran to the weight room and got all the weights so I couldn't work out. Definitely. <laughs> and so that I, 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 I so I, I and see when I was in that environment, I I have to admit I hadn't quite discovered my character and I didn't know where to find that. I didn't know how to define that. Gotcha. So I found myself going in the opposite direction, trying too hard to fit in. I got a part-time job so that I could buy really nice clothes. I tried to mimic some of the behaviors. I tried to, quote-unquote, be cool. And it seemed like no matter what I did to try in as people so well meaningly told me, you got to be a friend to have a friend. You got to go along to get along. It just got worse. And when I look back at that, I realized there was a big Hold. It made that whole period of my life, when I look back at it, just so vapid, which was that lack of character. Not that I'm not a person of character, honesty, integrity, and morality, but I did not know how to, def- know how to define that word. Character. I didn't know how to find that for myself, and I'm not blaming anybody or saying it's society's fault or anything, or that nobody told me. It's just that my energies were not towards looking for that, and I didn't have a foundation to begin with. That's part of the reason I wanted you here today is I want everybody to see, and this is something that if you're an entrepreneur, you should be sharing this with your children who are coming up in the world, or or that cousin or niece or nephew that you're looking out for, and let them hear that there is a way up. Now. When you got into prison, I imagine that uh, they didn't, uh, you know, you didn't, uh, you know, at the same time they took your street clothes and gave you the overalls, you said, hey, can I have some business books and a Bible? I want to go <laughs> myself. Uh, so I imagine when you went in, you were kind of like those other guys. Am I right? And if so, I mean, if I'm wrong, tell me I'm wrong, but, it, but you probably were an extent like one of those guys. Uh, okay. Sure, of course I was. You know, I mean, I, I you got to
1: realize, you know, the transition from the street, right, to you know, to an incarcerated environment. I, you know, I didn't change overnight, but you know, it was, you, know, it was just a daily commitment. And, and I tell you, I think one of the most kind of foundational moments. It was probably about sixteen months into my sentence. And I had just actually gone, I'd gone from the county jail, which is where you stay until they sentence you, and then I actually went into the to the prison system, and I was up in my cell, and I'm doing push-ups, and I'm having this internal conversation with God, and kind of myself, and just kind of realizing the breadth of what lied ahead of me. I was only 19, I was a young man, you know, really hadn't found my way in life, had no idea what this time was going to bring, and being 19, looking at 10 years in front of you, is that's more than half of my life already, so it was very overwhelming, and I think one of the things that really set the way that my time was done and how it changed me was I was up in that room, and I'm, I'm having this internal conversation with God, myself, reflecting, and I just remembered committing that, you know, I, they, I let them take 10 years of my freedom, that was my choice. I'd made mistakes. I allowed that to happen. But I'm not going to allow them to take 10 years of my life. And so I realized that I always had a choice to live. Just because I was behind bars and in behind fences didn't mean I had to stop living. <clears throat> Excuse me. No. And that is what really set the way. I began to view prison as, you know what, so what, I'm in here. I'm still alive, and I can still utilize every single day to improve who I am. And I also realized that in a lot of ways, I had advantages over the people that were outside because a lot of the folks at my age, nineteen twenty, were starting careers. They were kind of being, you know, kind of herded in a certain direction. You go to college, you go down this direction, you go, you know, where you're supposed to go. Boom, you, you just kind of get herded along. I had the ability to be outside of it. I had all the time that I needed and wanted in life to focus and study and grow and learn and I recognize it as an asset and it's really what I think just really just changed everything.
0: Yeah and there's something you said right there at the end that I want to seize upon and this is the entrepreneur's struggle and this is the entrepreneur's opportunity is you, know, you, you were talking about some of the other people who are about 19 years old, maybe some of the people that you went to school with. So they graduate, they get their diploma, they get their ropes around their neck, or oh, excuse me, cords, and they wear their gown, and then they go to college, they work their 40 years after the gold watch, they put into their 401k, yeah. and they look forward to their bungalow in Florida, where they'll shortly thereafter die of a heart attack on the golf course. Now. The entrepreneur finds himself in entrepreneurship in many cases because that just didn't quite work out for them in one way or another. Maybe they didn't do so well in school. I mean, look at all these, uh, these visionary business leaders who people will try and nitpick them and say, oh, but they dropped out of college. Drop out? I, I, I would call it something else, I would think. I would say it's finding a higher purpose in what's going on here. This just isn't working out for me, so I'm going to try something else. So tell me if I'm I'm being accurate when I say that in some ways you being incarcerated was actually liberating because it helped you to sidestep some of the traps that many people just willingly walk into because they're told that's the way to go. Absolutely, and I, that's a very good word to describe it. I would say that it
1: was liberating because – It wouldn't have – I would have never gotten free from the cycle that I was in. I either would have found myself dead or the world that I was in up till the time of being 18 and finding myself sentenced was just a world of negative, dysfunctional family, drugs, crime was all that I knew. So prison really helped to pull me out of it and let me see there's more to life than what I had been exposed to up to that time. (coughs) Excuse me. I never would have even known – that there was anything outside of the world that I had saw there. So yeah, it was extremely liberating. and allowed me to see things in a different perspective. And I and a lot of people ask me, you know, looking back, you know, do you regret, you know, if you could change it, would you I no, I wouldn't, because that ten year prison sentence is really who's made me the dad, the husband, the entrepreneur that I am today. Without it, Lord knows who I would be today.
0: Yeah, when I look back at my own experiences, I said, what I went through is not even a pale cry compared to what you went through. But for myself, it was a personal hell. But I looked back at that experience, and it gave me a gift – that has carried me so far through my own relationships personally, my relationships with clients, and the way my business has grown, is a profound ability to take the time to see all sides of an issue before reacting. Like if I have to go and say, you know, you mother, I do that in private, but then I come out and I take a a balanced view of everything that's going on. Because (laughs) the biggest – Things that was just most imprisoning to me during that period of my life is I felt like nobody cared what I had to say. It Uh, was always, well, you got to do this, you got to do that. Your your whole future is on the line. Now, tell me, you're 15 years old, and uh, and you got a deficiency report in some class. You're having a hard time passing anyway, and now your whole life is on the line. And uh, oh, you don't have the right friends. Like, I don't have any friends. I'd like to have some. Uh, So, uh, so. You're you asking me to judge something I don't even have. I mean, it's uh, it was so confusing to me, and I just I just wanted to scream every day of my life. as, well, somebody please just listen to what I have to say without laughing at me?
1: <laughs>
0: gotcha. Yeah, and when I see that uh, some when I see that there's more than one side to a story, or I see that there's a situation and not everybody has had their say, I'll be the first to intervene and say, look, we got to go all the way through this, and we've got to put all the cards on the table and find out all sides of this thing, and it's not about judgment, and when I find myself in a in a scenario like that where I have to have that conversation with somebody, and you know, I'm not perfect, a couple of people sometimes have to have that conversation with me, you know, what I look for in both cases is a space where your truth will be respected and not judged and not questioned, and I have found, gotcha. that the, I found that's a great way to solve problems and diffuse situations is to give a person the opportunity to speak their truth without interrupting them to say "ah, on no, no, or giving them some facial expression that lets you know, lets them know that you're losing them or whatever to let them say whatever it is that they have to say and also understand that there is not this one thing called the truth. Because if there was this thing called the truth, uh, the criminal justice system, which is something you've had firsthand experience with, <laughs> wouldn't need to exist because they would have known as soon as you walked in whether you were innocent or guilty. Um, and it would be the same with everybody. I mean, we wouldn't need, need trials or anything. In fact, if there was a truth, criminals would just say, oh, boy, I just broke the law. I need to go turn myself in right now. <laughs> I mean, it just, wouldn't, it just wouldn't be that case. And... It's also possible for two people to view the same situation, have completely different interpretations of it, even though they were both watching the same thing happen at the same time, both take lie detector tests and pass because of this principle of that person's truth. And that in itself is one of the most liberating things. And I probably would not have the same appreciation for that if I had not gone through what I went through, which is why when I hear how prison – and incarceration were so liberating to you. Uh, I I did that just that just moves me to the point where I'm almost beyond words here. So uh, sure, and, and it is, man. It, it definitely is, and and I think it's something that when I do share with
1: people that it really does. I think it just really wows people that they're just like you know, wow. I, I'm I'm really blown away that. You know, a situation like that is really challenging. And the fact that it could set you free and it could liberate you and it could be the catalyst to go on to create, you know, great successes in life. And, you know, I've had struggles in business. You know, we all have, you know, Robin, my my wife, and I, you know, the first year or two, you know, we had ups and downs and struggles. Uh And the the situations in prison and those things are really what I was able to draw from for strength to continue to press through and not give up and not let situations outside because I found that life inside of prison and outside of prison wasn't really different. It's really all about choices and how we react to those choices. And so out here, I really got a really good opportunity to kind of put that character and put that mindset to the test when I was faced with some very similar choices out here. You know, would I let doors shut in my face? Would I let, you know, nobody hiring me? Would I let, you know, being broke or my wife getting fired or, you know, business struggles or, you know, lack of whatever crush me and break me? Or would I just continue to press through it and press harder? And, you know, a thing to really remember is that when I dove into the business world, I'm coming from 10 years in prison to within six months of being out of prison, I was very active in the local chamber of commerce, I was networking. And, you know, there was a fear involved in that because i would never been around business people, you know, conversing with guys that knew business and wore suits and, you know, drove Ferraris and this kind of stuff. And I knew in my heart and mind, that if I was to see success, I was going to have to put myself in a lot of uncomfortable and unfamiliar situations, and just press through to them. And, you know, I just think all of those things just really helped, you know, to kind of pave the way. And, you know, my wife and I have saw ups and downs, we've changed our business model a few times. And, you know, we've, we've really been able to see success, you know, as of late over the past few years, and really create that freedom – and I would say to the folks that are listening, I think the most important thing really is is to have a clear focus on where you're going and know here's the thing that I want to create. I think so often we get wrapped up in the mechanics of business and the doing and – we never really have a solid goal. Like my wife and I, from the very moment we were married and and even started even talking about entrepreneurship, we didn't really know what we wanted to do in business or where business would take us or what opportunities would even present themselves. But we did know that we wanted leverage and we wanted freedom in our lives. And that has always been kind of the the north star that has guided us when opportunities presented themselves we could always kind of measure and filter them through would they get us there or would they be a bump in the road to keep us from being able to get there and i think for everybody listening that's
0: really 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 important i'd like to take this in a little bit of a different direction here what you said is fantastic one of the reasons i love Stopping by your Facebook group, Marketing Mega Minds, is you and Robin uh, can sometimes be very sarcastic and snarky and everything else, but you do it with love and little emoticon smiley faces, and uh, it's just you have a great way of teaching and mentoring people, which I give you. So much credit for it, and yeah, I myself gain inspiration from it. There are times when I feel a little bit down, or I'm struggling, or something, and all I do is I log into Marketing Megaminds, and I can get an instant <laughs> dose of inspiration. I love how you, uh, I love how you guys uh, lovingly spank the people who post ads in Marketing Megaminds without your oh, permission. Yeah, the spammers and stuff. We definitely have a heyday with spammers. Yeah, right drop the band hammer. Sometimes you just kick them, and sometimes you have some fun with them. And what I've been very pleased to see is. You know, depending on the whole situation, in a couple of cases, you've even brought people around, which is just inspirational to me. Now, I'd like to read something that I myself wrote on my own Facebook wall on Martin Luther King Day. I'm going to read the first part of it because for some reason this is triggering me in terms of this whole imprisonment thing and what you and I have spoken about just on a regular basis about social media etiquette. So I wrote, This being Martin Luther King Day, I'm enjoying watching everyone trip over each other to share meme pics depicting him beside one of his quotations, and it causes me to think about what I see on Facebook here most days. Were Dr. King still alive today, and if he were a Facebook user, would he post any of the following? Number one, if you support so-and-so, you know, candidate name, just unfriend me now. We have literally nothing in common. Number two. Use this app to see who among your friends likes this candidate's fan page. That way you know who to delete from your friends list. Get it done today. Number three. Well, time to clean up the friends list. Who will make the cut? Number four. A status, quote, or photo labeling any other human being or group of human beings with any label that ends in the letters I-S-T, like racist, sexist, narcissist. You get the idea. Number five. A photograph of a human being with the word idiot stamped on under forehead. And number six, the home address and phone number of someone who disagreed with them with the hint that others should insult and threaten that person just for staying their own opinion, which in social media speak is known as doxing. People who engage in those behaviors, when you look at the people behind those statements on Facebook, especially, and you think, wow, I thought this was an enlightened person. They're all about peace and love, and they say namaste instead of good morning and everything else. Where the hell is this venom coming from? Do you think those folks might be trapped in a prison of their own? Absolutely. <laughs> Definitely. How, how 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 would you describe that? Well, I mean, you know, the, prison is
1: really a culture. And I think, you know, you and I, our conversation, when you when you reached out to me and, you know, shared some of the high school stuff, I, I think that there's so many kinds of prisons. And that's kind of why Robin and I have, you know, I, I started, I have a website from Prison of Prosperity, and there's a book coming out and Um, you know, my sharing of the story. And I realized that the story is much bigger than just a guy that went to prison, came out and started some successful businesses. The story is way bigger than that because prison is really symbolic. And a lot of people like you just shared, these people that, you know, harbor venom and, you know, hatred or, you know, whatever it is, prisons of the cubicle. There's, you know, stuck in your job or the nine to five or, you know, whatever it is. There's all sorts of different prisons, and people just really need to hear that there's a way out. And I think the only time that really people start to get out, and I recognize this, is the physical prison and what kept those guys in prison is all they saw was the physical prison. They didn't realize that they themselves were in prison in the way that they thought, the way that they viewed life. And that mental prison is what continued to send them to the physical prison and though people in real life and some of the folks you just described maybe the mental prison or the emotional prison they're in isn't bringing them to a physical prison because they're not committing crimes but it's still keeping them in prison in a lot of ways
0: yeah because if you look at all those statements and all those behaviors what they're really doing is limiting themselves they are cutting themselves off from the support they could need to grow their businesses or enhance their lives. They are declaring that a certain group of people are the enemy. And, I, and I've experienced a fair amount of that. I want to keep this recording evergreen, of course, but uh, you know, you know, Robin and I, your wife, have had some conversations about uh, who I support in our current presidential campaign. And uh, without mentioning the name, because, again, I want to keep this evergreen, uh, and this could apply to all <laughs> the candidates, so it is pretty much universal, I've caught some hate over it. I've had some people tell me to go do things to my mother that I can't even describe. (laughs) Uh, I like this guy's fan page. It's just amazing the hate that comes out, and what I see is a lot of folks are running on such low information. They're quoting some meme that somebody quoted off somebody's quote off somebody's soundbite, and they did not actually hear what that candidate was really saying. They're not even taking the time to think, why would somebody support that candidate? How on earth could they support that candidate when that candidate has spoken in favor or against such and such a thing without taking the time to get to know that person and finding out what really motivates them? It's, it's really, in many cases, something very deeper and something very unique to that person's experience. And I think that in some ways, we build prisons for ourselves. Like we literally stand in the middle of the, the six by eight pot or however big a cell is these days and build the bars from the inside while the guards hand them into us and yep. firm the cement and everything else and then put the roof over it and then lock the door and then hand the guard the key by mm-hmm. our unfortunate reluctance or inability to be open to humanity. Absolutely
1: total I, I don't think I could have said it better myself. Completely agree.
0: Yeah. And, and if there's one message I'd like people to hear as you're listening to this today is to look at ways you may be imprisoning yourself and limiting yourself without recognizing it, without, you know, at least consciously because it hasn't been pointed out to you yet or because you're not actually in an enclosure that is separated from the rest of the world by bars and people with guns. Definitely. Yeah. Uh, as we come towards the end of this, because we have about 15 minutes here. This has been a fantastic interview, and it feels like we just got started, and I could ask you questions. <laughs> right. But there is a there is a, a sidebar. Well, not really a sidebar to you. It's front and center. But um, it's, I guess, a component of your experience in prison, where um, from inside the bars you found love. I did, and let's, that's a very
1: cool piece of the story. I, I remember – you know, Robin, my, my current wife, she was a radio DJ, and I was a young inmate. I was probably 20, and she had a Christian hip-hop and R&B radio show that me and a good group of guys used to listen to on Friday nights, and we'd listen to her every Friday night. And one particular night, I'd ask my mom if she'd call the radio station and ask the girl to give us you know, a shout-out, play a couple of songs for us. And lo and behold, she did. And I believe, you know, when Robin spoke to my mom and found out about that there was a group of us inside the prison listening and that her her music and her show was reaching and impacting in the prison, she was blown away because her perspective of prison was the same as most people. She thought we just sat there and, you know, we drank water and ate bread and we were stuck behind cells and, you know, so she was completely blown away, you know, just having no idea – that this was happening. And so she shared and, you know, her and I began to write and, you know, just in writing, um, you know, neither of us really pursued it out of, you know, let's try to hook up and whatnot, but just in writing and getting to know one another and getting to speak, it became very, very clear that there was definitely a divine appointment upon our meeting. And we just went with it and He stayed and visited me, and we fell in love and bonded and grew together over seven and a half years of my time in prison, and then I had come home, and we got married about six weeks after I came home, and here we are almost celebrating our seventh anniversary and business and two beautiful kids and hanging out and enjoying freedom
0: there were some obstacles to that obviously above and beyond the early communications with her were through, were through glass. Weren't there some people conspiring against your love? And did that continue even after you got out?
1: Oh yeah. Oh, I mean, Robin constantly faced, you know, criticisms from people on the outside, just, you know, her, she lost friends, you know, her her family kind of ostracized her for a little while and it, you know, people definitely – it definitely wasn't something that you come home and mom and dad like, "Woohoo!" hoo
0: yeah. <laughs> marry a,
1: an ex-inmate. You know, nobody threw her a party, um, not at first and stuff. But, you know, towards the end of my sentence, um, you know, I, her parents did come to visit me several times and really sought to get to know me. And her dad was actually the person that married us. He's a pastor. He was the one that actually married us at the ceremony. So towards the end of my sentence and coming home, I think people really got to know and saw, well, wow, this, this is real. Like, these guys really are going to get married. And, you know, a lot of them sought to kind of get to know me. And then when I came home, you know, they did get to know me, and they saw, well, well, you know, we probably made some judgments just simply based on stigmas and not really getting to know a person. You know, we just judged you simply based on your inmate label. Like, oh, you're an inmate. That means you're this, this, and this. And when the folks kind of got past it enough, to at least get to know me, then then everything changed and people really were open to it and were like, wow, I guess you know this 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 really is a good thing.
0: Now I, I can imagine that was kind of a struggle and I think we see a lot of that just in the day to day. And the reason I ask that question is because how many folks are reluctant to pursue feelings or pursue a relationship or or in a situation where they feel like they have something to lose if they admit to being in a relationship. And what prison does that cause? Definitely. It's,
1: you know, it's definitely one of those things where, you know, it's, it's about a choice. You know, I I remember, you know, especially early on, you know, at the radio station, Robin actually wound up losing the radio show because of, Her, you know, talking to me and and this and that and things along those lines. And, you know, friends made fun of her and made all of those things. And people out here, you know, face – and again, I think the moral of the entirety of this story is it doesn't really matter where you are in life. Life is challenging, whether you're coming from being an ex-inmate, whether you're a multimillionaire or a billionaire. There's challenges, and we all have – choices in how we're going to face those challenges and what we're going to allow those challenges to do to us. Robin easily could have threw in the towel and said, no way, this is way too hard. I'll just find some dude out here and I'll just settle. And I think that's one of the things that both Robin and I are really passionate against is settling, you know, just going through the motions and then just settling for whatever comes your way and not living your life on purpose, and not living and making purposeful choices to go to a purposeful direction.
0: When you left prison, uh, did you ever look back to any of the people that you connected with in prison, Uh, although I know you were definitely the minority in terms of somebody who was looking to better themselves, were you the only person, or, I mean, was it really just you studying business and languages and having a relationship with God and looking to the future, and everybody else was stuck in their rut, or were there others like you? And have you had the opportunity to help anybody since then? Oh, absolutely, yes. It's actually one of our biggest
1: passions. I got a buddy that Robin and I and my kids, we actually go to the prison, we visit, we talk on the phone regularly. Lots of guys that have come out of prison that I was in with. You know, we've sought to help teach entrepreneurship too. Um, and and it, when I was inside, yeah, there was there was definitely you know there was other guys though we were the minority. You know, there was a handful of guys that saw how I was doing my time and saw that I was doing things in a different way. I wasn't just gambling and gang banging and getting high and doing all these things. I was living in a different way. They kind of clung to me and wanted me to show them how. And, you know, just teach them, you know, what I was doing and why. And so it definitely was something that caught on. And there's still guys that I talk to. Some are getting ready to come home in the next few months, some in the next few years. It's it's definitely been something that I you know, though I walked out of prison, I never wanted to just just forget where I came from and just continue to move forward and act like it's not part of my life or that it's not something that has a huge impact on who I am and where I am in life. So it's definitely been something I've been very purposeful to reach back in and help. And, and that's a big part of why I'm writing the book that I'm writing, which is going to be coming out soon, and why I did a video that's about the story and you know some of the, some, you know, some of the things that we're talking about and some other things that just kind of tell the story because
0: people inside and people outside need to hear it. In your work, and I don't expect you to, uh, to break the coach-client confidentiality laws or anything like that, <laughs> but uh, do you have any examples of work you do with some of your clients of marketing your purpose or your coaching clients or consulting clients where you draw upon your prison experiences to help them through some of their own barriers? If, uh, if there's a couple examples of that that you can give. Again, without mentioning names, there are too many specifics to reveal who they are.
1: Yeah, a lot I mean, absolutely, for sure. One of the things that I've drawn from from prison really is a no excuses kind of a mindset. And when I when I work with clients one on one, um a lot of times we find that though Robin and I do a lot of online marketing strategic, funnel design optimization to help people you know, make money online, one of the things that we generally find that keeps people from having success isn't always strategic. It isn't always a lack of strategy. A lot of times it's a mindset. People second-guess themselves. So where I can bring my prison experience is, is a very solid conviction of press forward, don't second-guess, get going. And it's really funny. I'm actually in my office and I'm staring at a quote that's up on my wall That really ties into the mindset and where I think prison and what I kind of was developed in me from that that I bring into working with clients. And it's a quote that's right above our whiteboard in our office, and it says, real progress comes from execution, not access to proprietary ideas. And it's so important to Robin and I because we work in a space where people are chasing the shiniest new object. It's Blab. It's Periscope. It's Twitter. It's Facebook ads. Oh, it's the newest way to launch. It's the hottest funnel. It's the right. webinar. It's the new webinar strategy. It's the PLF formula. It's all these different things, but really at the end of the day, that's, no, it's not. It's not some proprietary idea. Real progress comes from execution. And so I find a lot of times when I work with clients, the thing that's keeping them from the success or the breakthrough isn't the latest strategy or the newest conversion optimization technique. It's execution. And a lot of times the lack of execution comes from things in their own mindset or they just need a kick in the butt. And so that's where a lot of the prison side really can kind of go in and really ties into
0: helping there. I love that. In our work with clients, uh, there's sometimes, from certain clients, and again, I'm not going to say anything specific that would break the client-coach uh, confidentiality barrier on my <laughs> end, but what we run into with a few clients is when we come up with our recommendations, like here's how your launch is going to go, this is how you're going to build your engagement, this is how you're going to do your webinar, whatever it is that we're consulting or coaching through, they'll say, "But, but so-and-so does it this other way.
1: Now, <laughs> if they say
0: that too many times, I, like, I'll give them a couple passes on it, but it, there's going to come a point relatively soon where I'm going to say, well, if you like the way they're doing it so much, why not just work with them? Exactly. i You know what? Yeah. I, I love that. Right, 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 right. But, it, I mean, if if that seems to be all that they really want to do is sit around and bitch, but if I see that there's a side of them really wants to move forward and just finds that they're reluctant to do so and they're using all this question asking and strategizing and let's have more meetings as a defense against actually having to do something I'll as lovingly as possible call them out on that and I'll ask questions like well if you do the pitch in the middle of the webinar instead of the end uh." what is that really going to do in terms of improving your conversion rates? If you use uh, Webinar Jam instead of GoToWebinar, to what extent is that really going to help you sell more courses? <laughs> exactly, yeah. right? And, and
1: a lot of people get hung up on that stuff, man. They do. Right.
0: So so I look for the the deeper reason why. And when it's workable, I can help them see through that and see that they're actually just kind of building a prison around them. It's not – Fear of a webinar software or do I want to use the Jeff Walker product launch formula or the other product launch formula? What it really is is fear of what happens if all this stuff works. What happens if it doesn't work? It's the fear of the other yeah, ex-
1: And it really is that. And it really is that a lot of times, man, Sometimes people just kind of need that confident nudging. Like, you know what? What's the worst that could happen? Press forward. Execute. And let the cards fall where they may, and I think that's some of the one of the most important things, especially in in the online world and in the online space. There's so much access to information that it people get that overload, and they, and they get you know just kind of hindered, man. And I think it's it's execution, and I, and I'll share this kind of in wrapping up, in where this really applies to a great success is. You know, just recently, Robin and I were talking and we said, you know what, we really want to kind of test our marketing skills right. outside of our normal world and try something that's very different. And we wanted to get into e-commerce, physical products, and just try our hand at it and just kind of see what, you know, how skillful we really are. You know, are we really as smart as we think we are? And I, I started this store and... The store has gone from. I actually bought the store from a guy, and in the first 90 days of him owning it, it had done about $2,500 a month in sales, which is not bad. You know, it's not bad. And in the first 45 days of me owning it, I've done over $50,000 a day in sales. And I mean, $50,000 a month. I'm sorry. Yeah. $50,000. Big difference, but still. Yeah, it's done over $50,000 a month in sales, and I can really, to be honest, I can attribute the success and the growth simply to I saw an opportunity, I didn't second guess, and I simply executed and put things to work. So for the folks that are listening, the number one thing, if you are struggling, if you're hindered, if you're in one of these prisons that we've been talking about – the thing that's keeping you and keeping you from being able to see success and build the things you want nine times out of 10 comes down to a lack of execution.
0: Wow. And that is a perfect place to end right there and breaking through, <laughs> through the prisons that holds back from execution. We literally have one minute left here. So first of all, Mike Peshoda, thank you very much for being here. And in you know, 20 seconds, if you could just tell us where people can get more information about the book and the video. And I encourage everybody to go check them out themselves.
1: Yeah, definitely. For everybody, there's a, a documentary-style video we did with my story, and my book is available for pre-order. It's only two It'll be a Kindle book. You can go to FromPrisonToProsperity.com. Videos there, books there, simple pays. There's some more information about my story and prison and stuff. And also, if you just want to connect with Robin and I and geek out on marketing, the group me and Adam have talked about is a free – it's a private Facebook group, no spammers allowed, very high-level marketing conversation, and that group is Marketing Megaminds, and you can just get right there if you just go to
0: MarketingMegaminds.com. Yep, MarketingMegaminds.com. So again, Mike Pesciotta, it's been an honor and an education, and I thank you. Yes, sir. Thank you, Adam. And for everybody listening, this is Adam Homey, host of the Business Creators Radio Show. Please check us out uh, at BusinessCreatorsRadioShow.com, where we help you win at the game of business and marketing.